This is the Parenting for Faith podcast from the Bible Reading Fellowship. Visit parentingforfaith.org for free online videos and resources and an eight-session course all about Parenting for Faith. You can also sign up for news, subscribe to this podcast, and find out about events and training in your area. Welcome to the Parenting for Faith podcast. My name is Rachel Turner, and I had 10 days of voice rest, folks. <laughs> I don't know if I sound any different, but I'm feeling good. And you know what? You've you've never really figured out how you parent until you have to uh, parent through a text-to-speech app. Uh, I think last time we talked, I told you that I had nodules on my voice, which is why it was all gravelly. Uh, so they put me on 10 days of voice rest and some medication, and I'm feeling a bit better. But for those 10 days, I was not allowed to talk, whisper, make a noise, cough, clear my throat. And that was hard, especially when you're at home. So I had to keep texting into my little phone and then it would speak for me. Uh, And so I'd (laughs) have to type in discipline things. And then as the little speech thing was going, please clean your room, then I had to look at my kid with eyebrows to try to like give him my serious face while he listens to whatever I had just (laughs) texted. I would not recommend it. It was hard. It was like high-risk charades. (laughs) It was interesting, but I'm back. And today, sorry, sorry, this is a podcast about, you know, your parenting, not mine, but, you know, I'm excited to have my voice back. Uh, Today's uh, episode, we are talking about uh, Ten Commandments, Ten Commandments and Connection, and what should we be teaching our kids about the Ten Commandments? Uh, I'm going to be answering a question. A lot of our kids have gone back to school this week, and uh, we had a listener whose kid is really struggling with all of the change, and how can we help our kids who are struggling with change? And we also have our friend Lucy Rycroft, who is here to talk about uh, the Parenting for Faith course and how she did it and what it looks like for her and uh, and how it comes out in her blog. She's an amazing writer, uh, really great insight, and you'll really enjoy uh, listening to her. But for, oh, and as always, we'll have a question to start an interesting conversation with your child. But first, uh, I really wanted to talk about the Ten Commandments. I think uh, it's something that I don't think we've ever specifically spoken about. And I thought it might be useful because uh, it often is something that is taught to children in church. It is often something that we keep coming back to. I love in in so many churches around the world. um, Historically, it has been painted on walls and is quite a big feature of it. And um, in Parenting for Faith, we talk a lot about growing God connection, not just God's smartness. And and where does the Ten Commandments fall in all of that? How does a, a list of rules fall within helping our kids become God connected. And I really wanted to address it. Uh, In Exodus, we're going to do a little mini Bab study. Uh, In Exodus, uh, when God gave us the Ten Commandments, it was in a larger story. The Israelites had been taken to Egypt. They had been made to be slaves for like 400 years. They were crying out. I love in scripture, it says the Israelites were crying out. God heard their cries. They weren't necessarily crying out to God. They were just like, and God heard their cries. There's a it says in scripture. And uh, they heard, God heard the cry, sent Moses to bring them out of Egypt into freedom and was took them into the desert. And um, 
in this desert, it was kind of a bit of a mess because you had a whole bunch of people who had been slaves for a very, very long time, generation to generation. And they uh, <laughs> were one big mass of people uh, walking in a desert. And uh, poor Moses had a little like trying to be the problem solver for everybody and had a little like emotional stress and his father-in-law came and was like, hey, maybe you should put some structure in here. So they get structure. It's been three months. And after three months, they uh, come on in and God says, okay, let's talk. Let's do this thing. Let's talk about what it is. And he says to them, if you obey, here, let me read it to you from actual scripture. So you're not, you're not thinking that I'm, I'm putting it in. Uh, so we're in Exodus 20. And uh, God says this. I have to find it. Here we go. Uh, Exodus 19, verse 5. Uh, verse 4. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagles' wings, eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations, you will be my treasured possessions. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. He says this to them. He says, come, walk with me and I will make you my priests and make you my holy nation. It was this wonderful offer from the God of the universe. And so he gives them these Ten Commandments. And often we think that it was like Ten Commandments, mic drop. You know, he does those Ten Commandments and then he's like, I'm out and woohoo, keep those ten. But that is not what scripture does. He gives the Ten Commandments and then he goes on and 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 on with a whole bunch of other stuff over hundreds and hundreds of instructions and laws around servants and property and personal injuries and uh, social responsibility parties that he wants you to have, his provision, instructions on how to build his house. And it goes on and on. And so we say the Ten Commandments, but they were actually hundreds. Um, and it started with these sort of foundational ten. And they were four. They were given not as 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 a list of tick boxes. They were given as as a framework for how to be God's people, how to be the ones who facilitate, who are the, the priests. I love when he says a kingdom of priests. It's how to be the ones who can facilitate God's voice for others and how to be the ones who help people connect to God and be treasured by him. That was what he said all of this stuff was for. And Jesus summed it up in, in Matthew 22. Uh, he refers to it again. And, you know, people are asking, you know, what, what are we supposed to do uh, to, to, you know, follow all the commandments? You know, what's the, what's the best one? And uh, in Matthew 22, verse 35, uh, well, verse 37, he says, um, well, the greatest commandment, he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and prophets hang on these two commandments. And so God summarizes, Jesus summarizes the Ten Commandments, the the all of the law that follows the Ten Commandments by these two things. It's a way to love God and a way to love others. 
And I find that really significant when we're explaining the Ten Commandments to our kids, that it's not ten great rules that God has to, to you know, for us to obey, because it's really important that we obey God. It's not it's not the best moral structure to live within. It's a way for us to love God and love others and to be the people of, of him who helps other people find him. And so when we lie to explain to our kids that when we lie, we are hiding and disconnecting from God and other people. We lie because we're afraid or because we're wanting to control and manipulate someone else to to put ourselves first or to control others. And it, it makes us think that we're more important than everyone else. And so we lie. It could be shame, but there's something that happens when we lie that disconnects us from God and each other. And that isn't how God designed our hearts to work. And so that's why we say we don't lie in this family. This is why we choose to speak truth, because it does something to our hearts that disconnects us from God and each other. And it shows us that something is going wrong in our hearts. What do you want to do about it? And you can discipline from there. You can also uh, talk about, you know, why we don't steal. You know, it's because when you have this impulse to steal, it's because you want to take control of your own provision and your own your own desires become more important than everybody else and everything else. And you put yourself as the center of your world. Um, And when we steal, it's because we're not trusting God for what he gives us. We aren't fostering content within ourselves. It's, it's, we disconnect from God. We disconnect from others and we make our wants and needs something that we must make happen. And uh, at the cost of justice for others, and we put ourselves above everyone else. And that's, not how God has called us to be. And it disconnects us from God. It disconnects us from others. And so let's talk about it and let's work on how we cannot do that. Uh, that the, the rules are about connection. It's not busy work that God gives us. It's not hoops that God co- tells us to jump through. It's a way of living that is open and in love. And we know we can't be perfect at this. Jesus came to clean up <laughs> the mess and help us reconnect every time it falls apart. But this completely impacts how we disciple and discipline and discuss sin and rules. Jesus, you know, talked about not committing adultery, but he escalates it to thoughts because it really is about what's going on in our minds. Jesus, when he was talking about do not murder, he escalated it to don't murder someone in your heart because it's, it's, about, it's about what these rules cultivate in the depths of who we are. And so... My question is, how are we talking about the Ten Commandments? How do we create windows into our lives of how we're walking, trying to obey God's commands out of love and to cultivate our hearts to be who we're called to be? How do we frame for them what those are? How do we unwind for them when they think that God is just slapping down rules for no apparent reason so that we can jump through hoops to please him? At the end of this podcast, we have a question that will help start an interesting conversation, but I just sort of wanted to leave it here with how do you think about the Ten Commandments and how do you think about sin and discipline in your family? And and I just wanted to add to all the stuff you're already doing wonderfully to say this is a great opportunity to help them see this about being God-connected and connected to other people and being a person who can call other people to God in this place when we walk our lives heart to heart with him. So this was more of a thought and a 
to do. Uh, but yeah, interesting pondering. Today's question uh, for the day is something I think many of us are experiencing, uh, and several of you have gotten in contact about it. And uh, our kids have gone back to school. Many of ours have. Uh, many of ours haven't. Uh, but um, what happens if your child is really struggling with all the changes and they either don't want to keep going to school or they're just finding it really hard? And I know we've we've done several podcasts about preparing them to go to school and to coach them through it. And I, I just wanted to address the subject of change. Um, I've moved on. I just turned in another book whoo, uh, about the spiritual life of babies and toddlers, and that will be coming out in February, I think. And I'm now moving on to... Uh, a sequel to Comfort in the Darkness, uh, which is called Comfort and Change. And so I'm, I'm writing a sort of family, ooh, devotional is a harsh word, but a family exploration where there's going to be stories and conversations you can have about change. And I think this this is a really significant thing that it might not be that your kid is actually afraid. It's just hard to cope with change. And, uh, and so here's some just thoughts on, on a few ways that you can help your kid if they're struggling with change. Um, the first thing that you could do is to just affirm to them that change is hard. It's okay. It's okay to find change hard. The, those of us, I'm, I'm someone who loves change. I can, I can eat it up. Yum, 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 yum. I love new things. I love uh, pioneering stuff. I love going into places that I have no idea what it's going to be like. But uh, I uh, have many people in my family who are not people who enjoy change. And uh, and it can be really affirming to just say, yeah, change can be hard. And I, I understand. But I think it also can mean that it feels a bit overwhelming because you don't know what emotions you're actually feeling. You're just feeling upset. And so uh, one of the things that can be really helpful is to, um, and we've talked about this before about emotions and chatting to God, but it can be really helpful to describe different emotions because you may know what your kid is feeling and they might not. Uh, So, you know, words like regret uh, and, you know, some of our kids are regretting that they, you know, missed out last year or they're regretting that they, they didn't go to their you know, getting to know you thing, or they didn't do this or that. They may be regretting things. They may feel misunderstood because, you know, you understand them so well and you've been home with them for five months and now they just feel like nobody knows them. They may be feeling embarrassed. They may be feeling uh, peaceful uh, and confused why they feel peaceful. They may be feeling these moments of joyfulness followed by insecurity. They may be feeling uh, suspicious. <laughs> they may be feeling confused or sad. Uh, nostalgic is a great word of, you know, wishing that it, you are cherishing so much what was that you're sort of missing out on what is. And there's so many different emotions that actually helping them find names for it can be helpful. Uh, and so I know in my family, we use, we use a book called The Emotionary, but just describing emotions to them and, and helping them go, yes, that's what I'm feeling, or no, that's not what I'm feeling, makes them feel in control of their emotions. Because uh, then when you name it, then you can say, oh, yes, I completely understand what it feels like to be misunderstood or, or not known in a new place. That can be hard. You may be feeling this, you may be feeling this, and then you can problem solve together. We can chat to God about it. We can look in scripture of other times people have felt that way. But if you're just generally feeling, I don't know, upset, then it makes you feel more out of control. 
Uh, and so to help them find their emotions, because then they can express it to God and to you and you can help them, can be really helpful. Uh, another thing that can be really helpful is to um, pivot what they're focused on with really good questions. So when they come home from school, they may just be feeling their emotions, but helping them reshape how they see their day can really help. So questions like, who needed you today? Because often kids, uh, when they feel they're struggling with change, focus completely on themselves. And to say that, you know, there are other children who are struggling who really need you to help them. And I, I know you, you're a great kid who sees people in need and helps them. Who needed you today? Um, where was God today? What surprised you most about today? What is the, uh, what is one thing you were most proud of, of what you did today? What is one thing that you did today that you're most proud of? What is um, the most persevering you had to be today? Uh, what is something that happened to somebody else that made them sad? Sometimes asking about other people's experiences means that they have to remember, oh yeah, you know, four kids around me were sobbing hysterically. To go, oh, that must have been hard for them. And to, again, lift their eyes off themselves can be helpful. Uh, what was frustrating for you today? What was the biggest laugh you had today? Uh, what did you play on the playground? Often kids will just say play, but... You could play, did you play uh, a, a game with rules or did you play an imagination game? What did you, what in your imagination game were you? And to say that sounds amazing and to, to draw them out into conversation actually can help shape how they remember their day uh, rather than just coming home in a ball of emotion and shutting down. So ask questions because that can help them process their day. And then uh, the third thing can be also to help them feel validated and partnered with. Uh, to just affirm that that's tough, to say what you admire. Oh, I admire how, you know, you had a frustrating day yesterday and you went back today uh, with a really good attitude. And I was like, yeah, I want to be more like you. And to admire in them what they are doing, uh, to draw out stuff like, oh, you said that this was a surprise today. You know, how are you going to deal with that tomorrow? Or, you know, how can I help with that? And to just be on their team, helping them navigate a change. Because it's not about liking it or not liking it. It's about growing the muscles to be able to handle all change that comes. And you are here for that. Scripture is here for that. Connection with God is here for that. You can help them chat and catch about it. You can have them chat. You can lay on bed and chat to God about all of these things. You can use these questions to facilitate chatting at bedtime. You can catch from God about what he's going to do tomorrow or where he's going to be or one thing that you could do that you can count on every day as a family uh, and to just walk with them on the journey uh, so that it's not a, a like or dislike but it's a, a stretching yourselves to handle change in the way that looks like for you. Uh, so yeah, that would be my suggestions for that. Um, and we'd love to hear your suggestions as well. So uh, please, you know, add those on Facebook if you're finding things really helpful and how your kid is handling change and how you're coaching them through it. We'd love to hear from you. And if you have any other questions, write in. We'd love to hear you on the Facebook page, uh, question for the podcast, message us through the Facebook page or go to the website and send us a question. We'd love to try to answer it. So I'm Anna Hawkin, I'm part of the Parenting for Faith team, and I'm here with Lucy Rycroft. Lucy, can you let us know a little bit about yourself? 
Hi, Anna. It's lovely to be here. Thank you for having me. Um, yeah, I am um, Lucy. I'm married to Al and we live in York, beautiful York. Uh, we have four <laughs> children aged between five and ten. So our house is a haven of peace and quiet, as you can imagine. <laughs> Not, um, Yeah, and I love to write and blog. That's what I do most of the time when the kids are at school. Uh, I love music. I lead worship at our church. Uh, I love to cook and have people around and generally enjoy spending time with friends and yeah, stuff like that, really. Uh, so you have a blog called Desert Mum. Uh, I'd love to know why you started writing that and why the name? Yeah, sure. So I was a mum of a two-year-old and a baby at the time I started the blog. And as anybody who's a young parent knows, you very rarely get to finish a conversation when you've got small children. So starting a blog was my way of at least kind of finishing a train of thought and then opening up a conversation, I hoped, um, for other Christian parents who wanted to sort of discuss aspects of bringing up kids or discipleship. Um, and I called it Desert Mum because a friend had said something which really struck a chord with me. And that was that early parenthood was like a spiritual desert, which kind of sounds a little bit negative, except I think what she meant and what I took her to mean was that all those things that you used to do to draw closer to Jesus before you had kids, they kind of don't work in the same way once you have children. <clears throat> Excuse mm. me. So I, you know, you, I was basically getting my discipleship pre-kids through sermons in church on a Sunday, um, a mm. midweek Bible study group, and my own daily Bible reading when it happened. I won't lie and say I'm massively disciplined. But, you know, that, was, that was the aim. I'm not just going to blame my children for that. Um, yeah. So, so that was kind of how I drew closer to Jesus. And then I became a mum. I found that I wasn't really able to sort of get so much from a sermon during church on a Sunday because I was often feeding a baby or I was exhausted and couldn't really absorb anything or I was chasing a toddler or blah de blah um, mm. fortunately I, I was able to join a midweek house group that met in the daytime with a crash but not everybody has that luxury at their church you know and it's very difficult to get out to an evening group if your church doesn't provide a, a daytime one um, and then mm. as for daily quiet times well you just don't really get much quiet time in the day so <laughs> it's, it's just it's very difficult I think to kind of pursue your faith so starting desert mum for me was really accountability it was me sort of putting my hand up and saying i want to stay kind of drawing closer to jesus all the time i don't want my faith to stagnate in this period of um busy parenting i want to push forward in my faith i want to draw closer and yeah it was my way of doing that and hopefully connecting with others who wanted to do that as well so. Yeah, it's amazing. And it's been I know it's been such a blessing to a lot of people, um, me included. And it's just such a it's just such a difficult stage of life. Um, we've got a video on our website called uh, Connecting with God Whilst Being Poked in the Eye. And that's kind of how it feels if <laughs> yeah. you're covered in bodily fluids and trying to function and get through the day and connecting with God can feel like just one more thing to try and manage. Um, but actually, we so need that. We need that spiritual encouragement, don't we? Absolutely. You're spot on. And I think that, you know, we talk a lot about uh, self-care, don't we, as parents? You know, if you're not looking after yourself, you won't be in a, a fit state to look after the people God has blessed you with. Well, I think spiritually, we need to really be thinking in terms of our spiritual self-care and having that time with God. But the good news is I don't think it's just another thing to fit into the schedule. I think it's, mm. I think it's a way of life. I think it's a... Um, uh, you know, habits that you develop and ways you uh, can sort of start to see that God can teach you and speak to you and draw closer to you in the everyday kind of 
mundaneness of life, if you sort of mean, yeah. you know, yeah, it's not, not just about having to find an hour in a day to sit down and do a Bible study, because that's probably not going to happen for most of us. But um, yeah, being able to see God, God at work in your life and in your children's lives and draw closer to him uh, in those ways, too. Yeah, definitely. And on, on a related note, I know that you did the Parenting for Faith course uh, with some people from your church a uh, little while yeah. back now. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that, how you found it, you know, what you did? To be honest, um, it blew my mind, actually. <laughs> and I know you haven't paid me to say that. Um, this is my total honest opinion. Yeah, I was, I don't know what I was expecting, really. I mean, initially, we did the course, I'll be honest, because you'd asked me to review it for the blog. And I thought, well, this is perfect for the blog, because this is just the kind of thing I'm trying to write about. Um, yeah. So I persuaded my, my midweek house group to do it. We're all mums, we about six or seven of us. And um, we were all totally blown away just by how useful it was, how relevant it was. Um, Rachel Turner is a great presenter. She's funny. <laughs> She's very easy to watch and listen to. And mm. we love the kind of dual purpose of her role in that she gets what it's like to be a parent. She gets the hecticness, the busyness of our lives because she is a parent. But her experience as a children's worker meant that she could get us to draw back and consider the bigger picture of what we were doing as parents, which I think so often we don't do because we're sort of stuck in the everyday routines of life. So that was a really, really great perspective for me and the rest of my group, I think, to to have that. And at the same time, there were so many practical ideas, which, you know, it wasn't just about some overall philosophy. <laughs> there were things that we could try week in, week out, and they never felt like a burden. They were just really easy to slot into everyday life. And I'm honestly speaking for my whole group here. We've talked about it a lot since. In fact, we've just started talking about running the course again next year because we enjoyed it so much. So, yeah, we all got a lot from it. We're all at very different stages in our faith and in our parenting, but we all got so much from it. And we're definitely looking to do it again in 2020. Yeah, amazing. And I think um, that's some feedback we get a lot that it doesn't matter where you are in your faith, you've been a Christian five minutes or or 50 years, um, and what age your kids are, because it's so much about um, thinking about your own relationship with God and feeding that and how you frame that and explain it to your children. You can sort of pick up on it at different different points and in different ways. Absolutely, um, yeah. So, yeah, and we are working on, Rachel is filming at the moment, uh, some more course sessions. There are going to be four more um, add-on add on extra sessions you can do. So maybe when you do it next year, you can mix it up a little bit. Ah, cool. We look forward to that. <laughs> Which will work. Um, yeah, so what would you say to someone who's thinking about doing it, maybe, but it's, do you know what I mean? It's the 23rd thing on the bottom of the list that they're never going to get to. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, what would I say? I know it sounds a bit odd, but I think I'd say, can you forget the word course? You know, forget that it's yeah. a course. Because I don't know about you, but when I hear that word, I sort of think, oh, effort, homework, possibly, and maybe babysitter needed. You know, all those sorts of things come to mind when I hear the word course. I just think, oh, yeah, can't fit that into my life. Um, but quite honestly, I'd say, you know, to someone interested in the course, I would say, what were you planning to watch tonight? You know, because most of us will have something on Netflix or iPlayer or something we're planning to watch tonight when we've got the kids to bed, we've got the jobs done. Yeah. Why not watch this instead? You know, it's as simple as that. You don't need other people with you. I mean, it's great with other people, but sometimes that in itself can be a barrier to actually just doing it. So, Definitely. you know, it's half an hour. You know, what's half an hour out of your evening? You can watch this instead. It will impact your life in a much deeper way than anything on Netflix or most yeah. things on Netflix. Um, 
you know, it only takes half an hour, so you can probably fit in a couple of things. You know, you can watch your Netflix as well. Um, but yeah. I think, you know, don't think too hard about it. You know, there are eight free online videos. This is what I say to people who I'm um, speaking to about the course because I, I do rave about it regularly. Um, <laughs> you know, you don't have to get others around to do it. Just just do the course. Just do it yourself. In fact, don't call it a course. Just watch it because it's great. And, and who knows, that might actually be the motivator for then getting other people involved. You know, if you watch it and you find it useful, as I'm sure you will, um, you might then think, okay, next time I'd like to watch this with a couple of friends and, and do it that way. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. That's really helpful. And you can, it's worth mentioning that you can download it. So if you want to download it so you can watch it on your commute or, I don't know, somewhere where you're not going to have good Wi-Fi, um, that is an option as well. And a question to start an interesting conversation with your kid is this. What would the world be like? Or what would your life be like if God never gave us any rules? Have a really interesting conversation and I'll talk to you next week. Thank you for downloading the Parenting for Faith podcast. A new episode will be released next week. And why not look at parentingforfaith.org to watch the free eight-session course, to get in touch, or to find out about training and events near you. 